Welcome to Trial by Wine. We take a closer look at crimes that highlight how fascinating humans can be. Schmitty, Swanee and Clarky visit crimes and run them through their jury of three, debating both sides of the case to agree an appropriate, if totally fictitious, sentence. Please be advised, Trial by Wine may include explicit or disturbing content and will include drunken rambling. Listener discretion is advised. All right, how are we? Oh, oh. <laughs> I've got to say, I was a little deflated after the last story. Thanks, Paul. Pleasure. And Paul. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a tough one. But, um, yeah, a good one to cover. So if you haven't listened to it yet, please get on to episode 67, I think it is. Jeepers. That's last week's. That's last week's episode, yeah. yeah. But we are, of course, doing back-to-backs because that's what we do. So in the last five minutes, what have we done? We had some, <coughs> no, we had some dip and bread snacks to keep the energy going. Oh, nice. Carla, did you have a mother? Uh, I did not have a mother. And, and freshen up with Britney Spears' latest fragrance. I had a, a quick squirt. Of, um, <laughs> oh, no, I put a bit of uh, impulse body spray on. No, I went and had a my, – my children were actually having spray. some lunch, so I had some lunch with them. We had a baguette with some uh, avocado and cheese on it, which is because I forgot that I bought myself a chicken breast and then I opened the fridge up and saw that, so then I hacked into that a bit as well. And here I am again. All right, cool. Well, I got, if I'm going to move on to what we're drinking, uh, no, actually, who are we? I'm Schmitty. I'm Swanee. And I'm Clarky. And together we are... Trial by Wine. I was going to say, actually, I had my trial by wine last night, so I'm just having soda water. <laughs> You're back on that. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Look, I've done that too. <laughs> <laughs> We're so in sync today. Oh, aren't we? And I uh, was just downing some of my soda water that I made well in the break as well. But I see uh, resident take it for a team kind of gal that I am. Yes. I am now. going to attempt to do this story and also drink... This really nice uh, Grant Birch Rosé, oh. which I've got to say is quite nice. Don't mind a bit of Grant Birch. The other day we opened one for New Year's and I bought it for my sister and she goes, hmm, mm, that's not bad. If you don't like, get a job, love. if you don't get us some money for sponsorship <laughs> for your wine reviews, quite I'll be it's quite shocked. It's quite my drinkable. sister was so shocked it was drinkable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she was quite surprised and I said, I don't know why you're surprised because I like Grant Birch and I drink it quite regularly. Uh, it's bottle fermented, the sparkling rosé in a dry style and rich in flavour with fresh red berry fruit characters, perfectly balanced with fine acidity. Red so berry fruit characters. Mm. I'm like, drinking, um, um, I think you call it Chewepez. Chewepez. <laughs> Soda water with carbonated water, mineral salt, potassium bicarbonate. Is that from uh, South America? It's no, uh, Tullamarine, Victoria. Oh, fancy. <laughs> 3043, yes. Yes, should be a good bottle. Uh, it was uh, actually, and it was bottled on the 6th of June. Oh, that's when it's out of date, 6th of June, oh, 23. Gosh. It's what? got a use by date. How does soda water go off? I know. Let's it see. can't. Oh, I suppose Ooh, it can. Schweppe. Schweppe. Maybe the Schweppervescence can. Oh, yeah, that'll be <laughs> right. It's best, it's best before, isn't it? So I assume you could hear me for most of that. I don't know. Even yeah. though, I, I don't yeah, even know when I press mute. So, uh, we, I have planes and stuff go past me, so I try and mute myself. Planes and what? Gosh. Trains and trains on wheels. I would love I to do, have a mute button for real life. Um, <laughs> oh, I saw something the other day on Facebook about someone saying, I appreciate that you were on mute, but your face gave away your feelings. And actually, Swanee, I think you might have commented because it was a, an ex colleague of ours. And I said, Oh, Leanne, were you the OG poster of this? And she was like, Wow, well, very dare you. <laughs> Leonard, we're out of here. We're going home. So I shall tell us the story now. Yay. Yes, All right. So this one's a doozy. Oh, and yeah. it made me think of not a, few a don't films. see. It's a doozy, not a don't see. Oh, no, it's definitely. Do you know when they start don't when see? they get court? Then they walk into court. They go, "Well, this one's a doozy." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ticket number forty-eight. The case of no, the people versus Schilling. 
Oh, this, this one's a doozy. This is a doozy. <laughs> oh, my lordy, lordy, yes, indeed, and do da day, day, Janelle. Strap yourself in. I hope yeah, you shaved yeah. your legs for this one. <laughs> it did make me think of some films and, of course, musicals along the way. So you can, guys can see if you can pick them as we go. Mm-hmm. Okay. Chicago. This is set. Yes, correct. <laughs> <laughs> that was the only reason. Okay, yeah, yeah. thank you very much for coming. Uh. Yeah, no, this is definitely a Chicago type story. So this is set in Alabama. Oh, Alabama. Alabama. <laughs> was, was he the, uh, the American president? Alabama was not the president at the time. Alabama. Oh, my God, that's going to be stuck in my head now. Barack Alabama. <laughs> Alabama. <laughs> what have you done? That's in my head. No, sorry, it's not set in Alabama. Alabama. It's set in Alabama. Alabama. At the turn of the 20th century. My sources are Wikipedia, Murderpedia, all that's interesting, markgribben.com and crimelibrary.com. And I used a lot of an article by a person called Joseph Geringer, but I've removed anything from that which wasn't a direct quote from the person at the time because I think there was a lot of editorialising going on in that story. Mm. A little bit of creative licence. I felt that was the way. So I just tried to take it into... God, I sound like what's name Judith Lucy there. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of it. I can't do it. I couldn't do it if I tried now. I shit you not. I work with a woman who sounds like Judith Lucy. Oh, brilliant. Oh, I'd love anyway. that. Fantastic. Oh. Um, Swanee, oh. uh, Swanee yeah. I, just, I just want to point out that already uh, Schmitty can't use her words like a big boy. So so I might be sending you my uh, notes yourself. later. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's happened before. We've you all might be, what did you say, sorry? I might be sending my notes to you later. You might have to say, finish uh, the story. I can't read anymore. Yeah, no. So just I'm keep tra- yourself I'm, nice. Keep yourself tidy. Do my, do my best to get through this. I think I'm less pissed than when I did The Watcher. Okay, so born in 1905. You're, you're like the breath test for yourself. <laughs> on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm less pissed than when I did The Watcher. When I did The Watcher, when I actually I had couldn't drunk, speak. Exactly. And I had drunk an entire bottle of uh, white wine prior to a starting the watcher yeah and then i was about halfway in and i drank another half and i was that was my is that your benchmark when you, not even when you're having anything to do with trial by wine just when you're out so, and about and you know tony's like are you tired are you coming well i won't i'm not i'm not as bad as I'm i was when i started the watcher watch. that's right yeah so as you can see i'm holding up the bacardi bottle and i've had that much bacardi in the last two hours so i think it's tidy for you mm. well i knew i had to do a story so, <laughs> but no, she did have I'm, that mother I'm doing my bit. Be- well, that's my breakfast. Anyway, that's another story. Oh, also, you've got no food in your are you, stomach. Are you like, you're just on fluids only. What's it called? Yeah. Uh, liquid iron. Nil by, by mouth. mouth. Nil by yeah. mouth. It's me, nil by mouth. Liquid yeah, only, yeah, yeah. yeah. But is that All true right. at this point? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So we're dealing with a mother and Bacardi. Yeah. And now you're onto the sparkling. Burge. Gra- the Grant Burge. Okay, just let me get to page five before we start judging, okay? Good idea. <laughs> on, your, on your way. All right. Born in 1905 to poor farming parents in Blue Mountain, a tiny hamlet nestled in the bottomlands of <laughs> Alabama's <laughs> northeast hill country. So Nancy Hazel's life wasn't much chop. Hassan chop. That's right. Being born and raised to a controlling father, James, and a loving mother, Louise, Nancy liked to escape to the hut. Escape the harsher realities of life by reading romance novels and magazines. I myself, as a young girl, liked a good HB, horny book, as we like to call them. Is that like a Milton Boone? A hundred percent like a Milton Boone. In fact, right. it is a Milton Boone. And then I went into Gosh. historical romance. Yes, Joanna <laughs> Lindsay. Anyone? Anyway. Oh, the only thing worse than a Milton Boone would be a historical oh. Milton Boone. Everyone <laughs> loves a good bodice ripper. Now Nancy, who a came good bodice ripper. That's what they're <laughs> called. Yes. Who came to be? Well, actually, yeah. That's really bad when mm. I think about the last episode. Nancy, who came to be called Nanny, had a hard upbringing. She and her siblings worked the farm and as a result didn't get much of an education. By all accounts, they would wander to school sometimes when they weren't needed at the farm and as a result, she never really got further than a grade six education. She could still read a Milton I was going to say, but that's good. At least she could read. Wag much? (laughs) They weren't really wagging, they were working. (laughs) Her father was a a spare-the-rod, spoil-the-child kind of guy and according to local rumour, beat his wife and kids when he thought it was a good idea. What? Oh, which you know what would, I think which, would be a good idea? Yeah. It's 1905. Which would be never. 
Yeah. In our in this day, now, oh. but in those days, in those days, it was appropriate to give That's them a good smacking. Good. Yeah. Oh, I've got a good idea. <laughs> By the age of five, Nanny was made to cut wood, plough the fields, and clear the land of weeds and debris. Said Terry Manners in his book on Nanny and other serial killers, deadlier than the male. You may have just given away what Nanny gets up to when she's a little bit older. Oh, Nanny's naughty. She's a naughty oh, nanny. Oh, she's a naughty nanny. Bless her. She's nanny a very a, naughty nanny. She's a good little worker, though. I'll give her that much. Mm. Oh, she was when she was five. I oh, know. That's what I'm saying. When she's five, <laughs> she's got great potential. And who said she didn't go to school? She got a cert, cert three right. in serial school killing. School of hard knocks <laughs> is the school she went to. That's right. Ball games and seeing friends were forbidden. And when oh. Nanny was able to traipse to school, well, that was hard work too, adds Manners. It was a two-mile walk there and a two-mile walk back. What do you know? I know. How about that? <laughs> the same That's distance so there weird. as back. That's crazy. There's a revelation. <laughs> they clearly were not diverting off. They were did, just going straight home. That's right. Did they have to go to school to work that out? <laughs> the household was a no-fun zone. It was a all no work, work, work. no-fun zone. To be fair, our house can be like that. Oh, when, when <laughs> mum puts her grumpy pants on. <laughs> when Nanny was seven, she went with her family to visit a relative in downstate Alabama. The only outing she'd had off the farm and whilst on a locomotive, there was an accident and she was shunted forward, hitting her head on an iron seat frame in front of her. Ooh. Shunted. Yeah, I knew you'd say that. She complained of pains, blackouts for several months afterward and suffered headaches throughout her life. So it's probably fair to say that she had some brain damage from that account oh. and and it was never treated. She just had to suck it up, princess. According to the author Manners, previously uh, referenced, Nanny, who had terrible mood swings, dreamed of love and finding her own Prince Charming. Her only interest was her mother's romantic magazines and she would sit for hours in her bedroom just looking at the loving couple staring out at her from the pages. As she grew older, her favourite bits were the ads for the Lonely Hearts Club. Oh, no, that's where she's going to find her victims. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. As Nanny entered dating age, her father cut that all off at the pass, not allowing the girls to go to any church socials or hoot nannies. Oh. Any hoot nannies? Hoot nannies. No hoot nannies for you. Nanny. They weren't allowed to wear makeup or fancy clothes, nothing that would attract the opposite sex. James said he'd pick husbands. It was purely same sex relationships for you girls. I need Alan Seal coming to it. Yeah. <laughs> Alan Seal. Alan Seal. Listen, girls. Alan Seal. There'll be, Alan yeah. Schiel. God. Aphids, lace. Do you ever bugs. do that sometimes accidentally? I talk oh. quite often, actually. Yeah. Something will come out and I'll sh- give it a bit of a. He was one of our voices at um, Speech Impediment Day at Foxtel. Back in the good old days. Back in the good old days, yeah. Anyway, their dad said he'd pick husbands for them all himself so there would be no need for courting. Allegedly, Nanny would sneak out on occasion and have interludes with some of the local boys. (gasps) Naughty Nanny. Mm, Her mother may have known but didn't seem concerned, probably thinking that if she got pregnant, she'd at least get away from her overbearing father. She was attractive with dark hair and eyes and the cutest little giggle. <laughs> Who was that? Nanny. 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 Is that- Even though she had a brain damage. Like, oh, okay. Just- no, but she had a cute giggle and she had dark hairs and dark eyes. And dark and hair. Only- why is it that hair thing the word the word hair is fine hairs is just so wrong <laughs> she had dark hairs i think it's because it's got like you get hairs growing out your nose or out your ears or that's in places hairs are unwanted i know many of her hairs in fact most of them were dark at the time <laughs> <laughs> Probably the collars did match the cuffs. At eight, oh. now, you know the expression, oh, so the yeah. curtains match the drape like carpet. Stra- something, oh, yeah. Carpets, yeah. 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 Anyway, they all matched. At age 16, James Hazel, the dad, agreed to allow Nanny to marry Charles Braggs. He was tall and handsome and seemed to adore Nanny, 
but not as much as he loved his own mother, who he supported and treated like the Queen of Sheba. So after four months of courting, Nanny was married off to Charlie at 16 years of age. We need to That's pretty standard, yeah. Yeah, age. yeah, 19, yeah. whatever that is. 19, prime, prime baby making 21, yeah, yeah. So replacing a controlling father for a controlling mother-in-law, Nanny started married life, living with Mrs Braggs and having to do everything she wanted, otherwise she'd have a dizzy spell, as in Mrs Braggs, would have a dizzy spell or an upset stomach or something that was like, oh, I don't like that, I'm, oh, I feel sick. Anyway, over the next four years, Nanny gave birth to four girls. Whoa! I told you she, she wouldn't have been popular. Bet she isn't giggling much anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the eldest, Melvina, in 1923, and the youngest, Florine, in 1927. Melvina. We don't, Are they names? And we Melvina. don't know the names of the other two for good right. reason. Right. Oh. Are they Alabama classics, those names, or is it just. I have no idea. Completely random. Idea. Over this time, Nanny hit the bottle big time and became an absolute chimney chain smoker. Both clear signs she was living her best life. (laughs) When she wasn't knocked up, Nanny was kicking her heels up at the local Blue Mountain gin mills, being felt up by drunken men, but she seemed to like the validation that it gave her. At this point in the story, it reminded me of bits of a colour purple and when I talk about films, yeah. Yeah. Now, it might have seemed odd that she could run around town and not get into trouble with Charlie, but that's because he was off getting drunk and laid at the same time. Oh. Unsurprisingly, what? Charlie, her husband, was off rooting yeah, getting around. Getting drunk and laid at the same time? Yeah. Well, you know, he was a young man. Not literally he could the manage same the time. Two. <laughs> he could manage the two. He was young. I've got an intravenous drip feeding me alcohol while I shag you. They were both going around, <laughs> playing the field and being pissheads. Anyway, unsurprisingly, the marriage Oh, broke he wasn't down. getting drunk and having sex at the same time. I he was he playing around was. at the same time. I think he time. probably was. I think he probably was. He was just a, that bit younger than us, Clarky, that everything functions still. I think he Remember got... Remember those good old days? <laughs> no, <but I'm... laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. We just stick to getting drunk. <laughs> it's much easier. Unsurprisingly, the marriage broke down, and neither of the, with neither of them being around much. And if they were together every now and then, turns out it was a fluke. Then, in 1927, the two middle girls who were unnamed suddenly died from middle oh. child syndrome. They were small children. I don't Did know their names. No. No. no, they both had breakfast, and they seemed fine. And then they died by lunchtime. Poisoned. Whilst. Local medics said they died by accident. Charlie wasn't too sure. Yeah, my ass. Imagine what gave that away, yeah. My ass, Nanny. Yeah, by now he decided that Nanny was pretty nasty. So Father of the Year award goes to him. He left with Melvina, leaving the newborn Florine behind. What a gem. Probably because he couldn't breastfeed her. Maybe. The theory is that Nanny had killed her children, deciding there were two extra mouths to feed, but I'm not really sure about it because it never got investigated. It may be fair later, given the rest of the story, to assume that she did murder them, but, you know. Uh, I'm going with she did. I'm getting in early. She might have. Charlie Braggs himself said she was always running off with one man or another, never home, and was about town more than me, which is saying something. Jesus. Yeah, and anyway, to tell you the truth, I was glad when she was off. I, it got to the point I was afraid to eat anything she cooked. I smelled a rat. Oh, dirty rat. I'm, I'm assuming in, it doesn't mean she's cooking food? rats. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Charlie and Melvina disappeared for months. During this time, his mother passed away, and that was natural apparently. And Nanny took the job at the nearest cotton mill to support herself and Florine. In late summer 1928, a year after he had departed, Charlie returned. Only this time, he didn't just have Melvina with him. And here's another colour purple moment. He brought his new girlfriend and her child with him. You ain't nothing but a big old heifer. Swanee's <laughs> <laughs> one is like, what the hell? She's clearly not watched a colour purple enough. No, yeah. I don't think I've ever watched it, actually. Definitely worth watching. I know. I'm embarrassed to say I haven't watched that. Not impressed, unlike what was her name? Celie. Unlike Celie, who just put up with it. No, Oprah Winfrey was very fiery and Um, feisty. But no, Miss Celie just put up with the whole shit. Unlike her, Nanny packed herself up and her girls and left. So she took Melvina and Florine, returning to her parents' house. 
She kept working at the cotton mill, which was pretty tough work, but her mother Lou looked after the girls and it gave Nanny time to flirt with the boys again. However, while she was flirting with the boys, she wasn't going to marry another country boy, instead deciding to write to men who were advertising in a Lonely Hearts column. And that's how she met her second husband, Frank. Frank was 23 and handsome. He worked in a factory and wrote a good letter, including some poetry he'd penned for her. Nanny wrote back and Frank decided to travel from Jacksonville to Blue Mountain to meet her. When he got there, he found her to be most attractive. Her sparkling black eyes were And hairs. And hairs, yes. <laughs> her sparkling black hairs. Her black eyes oh. were captivating. And if anyone is, knows anything about Robert Durst, you would be seeing some Robert Durst stuff here now. He's got black eyes, like the pupils and the eyes... The irises look the Who's same. Who's Robert Durst? Another serial killer. Sorry. Anyway. Who's Robert Durst? As if I can't remember the last one. But honestly, your encyclopedic knowledge. Oh, you know, Robert Durst. You know, Robert oh. Durst. Oh, he's quite frightening. You know, the one with anyway. the black eyes. Oh, right. No. Volume 3, page 258. <laughs> Haven't you read it? So Frank Harrelson and Nary, Nary, Nary Warren. So, so Frank Harrelson and Nanny married in 1929. To start with, things were good. Frank was good looking and they seemed to have great chemistry. And what I read was actually they were shagging through the whole period. But after several months, Nanny started to see that his reliance on alcohol was a problem. And then she discovered oh, the man she thought. Is that because thought, he couldn't get drunk and have sex at the same time? I think he could, but everything he did was alcohol-related, so right. he was just drunk all the time. And then discovered that the man she thought was Prince Charming with Clark Gable looks had done time in jail for assault. What? Oh, what a liberty, yeah. Well. And then she thought, hang on, I've killed my kids before. We, we might be yeah, yeah. in heaven. <laughs> no, but no, he's too dumb because he got caught. She didn't seem to think that. Worse yet. Frank was regularly apprehended for drinking and Nanny had the cops at her door telling her to get him from the drink tank. However, you may think that she'd call quits on this pretty soon, but she put up with his drunken and often physical abuse for 16 years. Oh. By the early 1940s, the surviving daughters Melvina and Florine had grown and married. Melvina bore a son, Robert, in 1943. And in February 1945... Went into labour again, having another child. This pregnancy was hard on the smallish woman, frightened and suffering racking pains this time around. She called for her mother to be by her bedside at the local hospital. Melvina's husband, Mosey Haynes, fetched Nanny. I mean, what are these names? Anyway. Melvina. Mosey Haynes. Melvina's husband, Mosey Haynes, fetched Nanny. Like a good mother, Nanny remained... On duty throughout the night, wiping her daughter's scalding forehead and comforting her during the ordeal, she ordered Mosey to fetch continual glasses of water, wet towels, this and that, and to keep the attending nurses and interns stepping lively dusk to dawn. Mosey, of course, didn't complain. And like a good <laughs> grandmother, Nanny celebrated with her daughter and son-in-law when Melvina produced a lovely little girl. But within the hour, the child died. Oh. Within the hour? Mm. Details are sketchy at best. Is that because Mosey... it had a mouth? Oh, another mouth to feed? This trigger warning for everyone listening. Mosey had fallen asleep on the couch in the hospital room and Melvina, in a state of semi-consciousness from the surgical ether, lay prone in her bed. At one point, she happened to glance over at her mother and the newborn cradled in her arms. But Melvina perceived what she was never afterwards able to determine as truth or a nightmare. She thought she saw Nanny sticking a hat pin into the child's tender head. Oh! oh no! Oh. I don't know if that happened I or not. I can't cope. That is, we don't it, know if it happened or not. We know the baby died. You've we said it baby now. Died. Okay. It's out there. And that's the point. It, it, because of this kind of it could have happened, didn't happen, it became accepted as truth. The dream bothered Melvina, especially since the doctors couldn't account for the child's death. May I just ask, I know you've just, we can't account for it, do you think mum putting a hat pin in Bubby's head may have had, <laughs> that have had something to do with it? May that have contributed in some way? If it happened, I'm sure if. it did contribute. Yeah. Wouldn't I have seen the pinhole? 
Well, that's the bit that doesn't yeah. is not consistent, right? So back at home, Melvina talks about she had this dream and then her husband, Mosey, and some other people go, um, oh, that's really weird because we saw Nanny with a hat pin, toying with it, turning it over and over between her fingers uh, earlier in the evening. So we never know. The doctors basically just said, don't know what happened there. Six months later, Melvina's son, Robert, also passed away while in Nanny's care. Hmm. Patton? The daughter had gone to stay with her father, Charlie Braggs, after a fight with Mosey, leaving Robert with Nanny. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Just hang so the on little, the, the, the newborn daughter was died within Melvina's an hour. Melvina's daughter this. died, right? Yep. Now who's this going to Melvina's, stay again? This is Melvina's first son, Robert. Robert. Who's by this time, yep. I think two years old. Yeah. He's staying with Nanny, and while staying with Nanny, while Melvina is off with her Nanny's first husband, Charlie. Her Robert dad dies. Her dad. Yeah, because she'd had a fight with Mosey, and she left her son with. Her great, her mother. Two for two now with her kids, right? Yeah. So Robert's now been killed with, or died with Granny. And Robert died with Granny and we don't know and how. And Bobby died when Granny was Very ready. early on from, yeah, yeah. No one knows how little Robert Lee Haynes died. It was a bit of a mystery. Nanny seemed heartbroken. She didn't know what had happened. The doctors diagnosed his death as asphyxia from unknown causes. And she played the grieving grandmother right up to the lowering of the tiny coffin gravesite. She fainted, she wailed, and she blew despair. Mull. Frank, her husband, however, remarked, I'll be next. Oh! Then, <laughs> several months later, she collected a $500 life insurance check on a policy taken out on the boy. No. You know, we've talked before and I've said nowadays you can't take a life insurance policy out on someone without their knowledge. Clearly at this point in time you could. So now we find ourselves at the end of World War II and the surrender of Japan. On the night of September 15, 1945, Frank, her husband, went out to the tavern to welcome home some friends who had returned from the war and get pissed up. Arriving home, he was still in a drunken and horny state. Demanding sex, when Nanny refused, he slammed the wall with a giant fist and shouted, If and you don't listen to me, woman, I ain't going to be here next week. So she lay quietly as he raped her, which was, in her mind, the lesser of two evils against a broken jaw. But she did some thinking. The next day, tending Not, not little, of England, I'm assuming. She was not thinking of England. She was no. thinking of creating her own bag of dicks, wasn't she? <laughs> she was thinking of it. Exactly. She was thinking, oh, I know, I need to pop in a little pouch. Mm. Frank flavoured bag of I guess dicks. it's bag of dick, not bag of dicks. <laughs> She'd had enough, let's put it that way. The ears. next day, tending the little rose garden she adored, she found her husband's corn liquor jar hidden deep in the surrounding flower bed. She took the jar to the storeroom, poured away some of the liquor and topped it with rat poison. Later that night, inexplicably, Frank died in excruciating pain. Age just 38. God. Wow. So how many victims are we up to now? Three. Three deaths. Oh, I was, I was counting. Who are you counting? The, the two kids. Two kids at the beginning. Two. two oh, yeah, that's right. Her other kids. Oh, my yeah. God, you're right. Five. Right. Yeah, yeah. I wish you'd listen to yourself. Well, I'm potentially saying five, yes. <laughs> oh, go, it, the list gets longer. That's why I've, I've lost it already. In 1947, Nanny found herself in Lexington, North Carolina, where she would marry another Lonely Hearts writer, Arlie Lanning. Arlie was also from Alabama originally, and after knowing Nanny for two days, they married. Like Frank, what? Arlie. Lo- yeah, idiot. Has she got a magic they- pussy? She's got, she's got hairs. <laughs> she's, she's got hairs. Yes, she's got hairs. She's got dark. She's got an ass giggle. Black she's got dark eyes. sparkly eyes. Giggles she's got a giggle and hairs. She's, she's this, very attractive. This she's, story's yeah. got hairs on it. <laughs> <laughs> like Frank, Ali liked to drink, and he liked the ladies as well. Whenever Nanny had what is had with enough, these people? Was that what you did back in the forties? Maybe. Maybe, yeah. What? Kill people? And the 30s and the 20s. Just got drunk and rooted. Got drunk and rooted everyone around, yeah. It does sound better than social media, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Seeing as that's what we spend most of our time doing. I'm an influencer. 
I mean, if you're dead by the time you're about 38, I mean, there you go. Well, he was a heavy drinker, so I think a lot of people just thought he drank himself to death. Anyway. Drunk himself to death on rat poison. Nanny wasn't really keen on the, uh, you know, running around town and shagging whoever you like. So whenever she'd pack a bag and disappear, sometimes for months, with no word other than a telegram asking for money or saying she'd be back soon. She was she murdering said to flip, people. No, no, she wasn't. She just went around the country. She was, I think, she was just shagging her way around, having a good time. She seemed to flit around the country. So the telegrams would come from all sorts of places. She wasn't. She's just there. She's there. She was just everywhere. She was getting about. Anyway, she would show up sometimes, and Ali would say hi. And when he wasn't passed out drunk, and for a while they'd pretend to be a loving couple. He'd promise to go on the wagon, and of course she knew that wouldn't last long. And then she appeared at the same time to be the perfect wife. You know, she tended the garden, she cooked and cleaned. There was a nice pie outside. Like she was just like you know doing her be- doing the her best to look like a picture perfect wife. When she was disappearing leaving him because of his indiscretions she would say that she was explaining these by visiting family her poor sister Duffy lived in Gadsden Alabama and she had cancer which is a shame and so she'd say she was looking after her or helping Arlie's 84 year old mother now her poor sister which is a shame cancer (laughs) it was a shame it's a long time ago I didn't know the woman myself personally but it was sad I can't wait to Come and tell you one day, oh, Schmitty, guess what? I've got terminal cancer. Oh, that's a shame. Oh, that's a shame. Oh, shame. When she wasn't going off to help Arlie's 84-year-old mother or tending on her sister Dovey, she'd read her romance novels and magazine and by this time they had a TV and she absolutely loved watching TV. It's better than killing babies. It is, yeah. In Lexington, Nanny was a devoted churchgoer and was friends with the local minister and community. Ali would go along with her, but unfortunately he had a rep as a womanizer and the church gossips would talk about him being a rake and Nanny was an absolute martyr putting up with his asshole. Sadly, in 1950, Ali died suddenly of a heart attack, which of course didn't surprise anyone with him being such a heavy drinker. A rat poison-induced heart attack? Mm. What husband's this three? This is number three. He just sat down one morning to drink a cup of coffee and eat a bowl of prunes that I had prepared specially for him. Nanny admitted to her neighbours gathered around his coffin. Up until then, well, sorry, up until then, well, let me tell you, he looked in fine shape. Then, well, two days later, dead. I nursed him. Believe me, I nursed him, but I failed. Did you though? Poor, poor Arlie. Sorry, poor, poor Arlie. You know what he said to me before he breathed his last? Nanny, he said. Nanny, it must have been the coffee. (laughs) Did he really say that? Yeah, no, apparently he did. On April the 21st, 1950, eight weeks after Arlie's passing, the tidy frame home that he and Nanny lived in burned to the foundation. Oh, the bad luck this woman is. It's uncanny. It's funny you say that because my next line is, it was a stroke of luck for the widow because had the house survived, no, had the house survived, it would have gone to his sister. Coincidentally, Nanny wasn't at home at the time, having just left the premises with her favourite household item, the TV set, (laughs) tucked away in the back seat of her Ford. I was on my way to have it repaired, she said, as it was. The insurance company issued a cheque to Arlie Lanning deceased, which was mailed to his widow, who was lodging by then with Arlie's mother, who was 84, remember? Or probably 87 by now, I don't know. Anyway. Nanny expediently cashed the cheque and left North Carolina, but only after the elder Mrs Lanning... Yeah, but only after the elder Mrs. Lanning died strangely in her sleep. Oh, God. Come on. She's losing all her loved ones. Within days, Nanny showed up at her sister Dovey's residence Who in Gadsden with the TV. Yeah, but she was dying of cancer, remember? Yeah. When she nursed a bedridden sibling whose condition from that point seemed to continue downhill. Dovey died June 30, <laughs> also in her sleep. <laughs> I know. We now found ourselves in 1952. Nanny was 47, and as I can appreciate at 48, no longer sporting her once girlish figure. Oh. She had actually started I'm to look like... I'm feeling you, Nanny. 
Yeah, me too. She'd actually started to look like a nanny wearing glasses and basically was a bit of a plump matron. Mm-hmm. Like me, she realised she'd not be attracting young men anymore and turned her attention to the older gents. Enter a recently retired businessman, Richard L. Morton of Emporia, Kansas. Now, she might be a bit chubbier, but she still had her girly giggle. And it still worked, and Richard was not immune to her charms. MP. Having met... Nanny's like... HP. Nanny pussy. Oh. Oh. What's HP? Hairs. Hairs. Oh, oh, if you don't mind. We're in a a day and age where we remove all that. Anyway, back in those days, I bet she had quite a grey bush. A fair map of Tassie? She would have had a proper one, 1952. Meeting through a monthly newsletter devoted to the people finding partners called the Diamond Circle, Richard wrote to the editors asking him to be removed from the availability list, thanking them for finding him the sweetest and most wonderful woman I have ever met. Mm. They went in October 1952 and she moved into his little home in Emporia. So number four. Yeah, she's definitely got a type, right, because Richard was dark, tall, dark and handsome. And had the hairs. Oh, he definitely had his. He had eyes that pierced like arrows straight to her romantic daydreams. Oh. I think oh. Richard was also... Did you write that? The, no, I don't think so. I hope not. That was terrible. I will say that I took all of this stuff out, but Richard was... Um, Rich? No, he was uh, half... Three-legged. Half man, yeah. half horse. Hung like a horse? Indigenous American and okay. half... Not. What was the other half? Caucasian, like white man, white man. Half native, but anyway, it doesn't really matter. But if you could imagine a person who looks lovely, dark hair, striking. So Richard was tall, dark and handsome with eyes that pierced like arrows. And see, when I read pierced like arrows, I thought, hmm, that seems inappropriate. He also gave her gifts, clothes, jewellery and stuff, which was new for her because all of her other Partners have been no account Riverfellers. He couldn't afford any of this stuff and he was deeply in debt, which made was made even worse by the fact that he was buying two of everything. One for Nanny and one for the other woman. That's right. He had ba, ba, ba. Yeah, He'd go off into town and each journey seemed to take longer and longer. Mm. If Nanny asked what took him so long, he'd say, oh, I just dawdled, I guess. Of course, she found out, and two months after their nuptials, two months. He was dead. Two months after their nuptials, she was answering other Lonely Hearts ads. Every response she got from other men made her want to get a ri- get rid of that philandering a-hole of a husband. <laughs> she was gonna say, get I a thought root. you said get a root. Get a yeah. root. <laughs> <laughs> it's an accident. What I meant to say Every response she got from other men made her want to get rid of that philandering a-hole husband she was with. she see herself as philandering? No. no. Or is it because... No, no, yeah. double standards, big time. However, these thoughts had to be put on hold as her father James died and Mama Lou announced that she was going to live with Nanny and Richard in January. Brilliant. Yeah. In, and Mama it. Lou, remember, was actually quite loving, looked after her kids, like was... Not a bad person at all. I have to point that out because in 1953, Lou arrived, but within a couple of days she fell ill with chronic stomach pains and died. Oh, for (laughs) God's sakes. And then tragically, three months later, Richard also died with chronic stomach pains. Mm. Could you imagine if she did a (laughs) Ancestry.com? Just, and it'd be a really short branch tree or something, you know, like. (laughs) A shrub. A shrub. So Nanny, back on the Lonely Hearts after such suffering, met Sam Doss. Sam was nothing like her previous husbands. He was a God-fearing man. He didn't drink, smoke, gamble or cuss. Don't drink, don't smoke. What do you do? Nothing. Goody two, goody two, goody goody two shoes. He was a goody two shoes. He looked after himself, was careful with money, never got angry, loved nature, and saw the good in people. He was. How long did it take him to die? He was literally the opposite of her previous lovers and husbands, and maybe that was why Nanny accepted his proposal on June 1953, just three months after the tragic death of poor old Richard. 
Does she, we don't know if she tells everybody else, does she have to declare that she's been married and they've all been, they've all died or you just keep moving no, around and you just keep getting no, married? It's, it's funny and you it, say that. They married in 1954 but Sam only knew that she was a widow. He, she didn't tell him how many times she was widowed. She didn't tell him <laughs> I'm a widow. Oh, that's so sad. Four times yeah. over. Was it three times over? Yeah, but over, as far as he was concerned, you know, she was a, a great cook, Brilliant housekeeper. Can you remind me what happened to her first husband? He escaped. He survived. He yeah. did. Yeah, yeah. She but divorced the next, him. Then two, three, two, three, and four. Yeah, and then two, three, two, three, four. Yeah. 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 Right. Got it. Yeah. Along with lots of other From family coffee. members well, as well. Along with yeah. cup, some other yeah. random. Anyone who knows her, how many times she's been married, gets a nice little <laughs> cup of coffee. Oh god. <laughs> she was a great housekeeper. Great cook. She had a wicked giggle and a smile, and the, and it was perfect for him for his later years. He yes. thought this was the perfect person to live the rest of his life with. Now, the, the, the few months that he has left, <laughs> if that. Now, as much as Sam was delightful, he worked a steady job. He was a state highway inspector. He spoke softly and succinctly, and often wore a necktie. He helped around the house. He helped her cook. He wasn't threatening or violent. But he wasn't perfect. Dead. He didn't like. Didn't put out. He didn't. No, he did. He, oh, we'll get to that. He didn't like wasting money on magazines, and he thought reading romance novels was evil artless. Mm. He wasn't into radio or TV that wasn't educational. Whoops. So no love stories or comedies were allowed. And to your point, Swanee, bedtime was a strictly not strictly at nine thirty, and sex was pre-scheduled. I mean, it was the 1950s. He was tight with his money. He didn't like waste. No fans unless it's unbearably hot. Oh, he's not like my kind Turn of the lights the off. Corner. Only one reading lamp could be used in the whole room, like, you know, no other lights. And when this all got a bit much for Nanny, she'd hightail it back to Alabama. Alabama. He'd chase her down with pleading letters, apologising. And unfortunately, he then changed his finances to give her full access to his bank account so she could spend as she liked. Oh, and then, no. OMG, no, no, OMG took out two life insurance policies on himself, naming her as the beneficiary. Now, remember, I said, remember I said they got married in 1954? Yeah. yeah. So one, one September evening in 1954, <laughs> oh, Sam. It happens quickly. In- Stomach cramps? <laughs> yes. Having enjoyed yes. one of Nanny's prune cakes, started to vomit, oh. experiencing incredible stomach pain. She's incredible. He took to bed and after several days was admitted to hospital where he stayed for 23 days. He was very sick. The hospital's diagnosis had been severe infection of the digestive tract. Upon his release on October the 5th, four months after they married, Nanny settled him into his overstuffed chair and let him rest. Then she woke him up for dinner. She'd made a delicious pork roast. This will get you back on your feet in a jiffy, she promised. Passing him... Will not. It's the worst Alabama accent, I'm sorry. Passing him a cup of coffee first. Sam enjoyed the coffee and the pork before, and but died. before midnight had <laughs> died. That's right. <laughs> it's the last meal. Now. Now. What victim now? He's number... Six fourth, slash fourth eight. husband. Fourth husband. Two children's, two grandchildren's, maybe a couple of mothers, a mother and a mother and a mother and yeah, God. Yeah, yeah, we've got a bit of some hairs. Oh, she's in <laughs> double figures. <laughs> oh, she's like that out of monster. Hairs, not ears. Hairs. Hairs. Hairs right. and graces. The thing was, Sam had actually looked after himself, and Doctor Schwelbein, who had examined Sam in the hospital, really didn't understand how he could have died twenty-four hours after being released from his own care. So he said, oh, we need to have an autopsy. Hey. Of course there should be, she reportedly said. It might kill somebody else, whatever it is. I I've myself. done this nine times before. That's right. You won't You won't catch me. But she, she weirdly totally agreed to it and said, oh, no, something might kill someone else. We better find out what it is. As he had suspected, Sam Doss had not died of natural causes. In the intestine and stomach, Schwelbein found remains of pork roast and enough arsenic to kill a team of horses. A team of horses? Shit tons of horses. Can you taste arsenic when you eat it? It tastes like almonds, I think, or is that cyanide? 
Oh. It's a collective you'd know, noun for horses. Know. Oh, which one is it, Schmidt? No, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think arsenic is the almond one that comes Ooh, through. Which is the flavourless one I use? Which is the one that I use yeah. for nut roast? <laughs> yeah, arsenic tastes like almonds. I'm right, yeah. Yeah, so the next time you have an almond-flavoured coffee, be careful, my friends. Nanny Doss, unable to explain where the arsenic had come from, was promptly arrested. Nanny was arrested on November 26, 1954 and interrogated. I married these men because I loved them, she told the detectives. I never parried. No, well, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. Oh, no, I've please never... stop. It's hurting my ears. <laughs> I've, never... <laughs> I've never poisoned anyone. I'm sure I found my perfect mate yet. She told the officers. By all accounts, her interrogation was exhausting, mostly because she was for them or for her. She's yeah. literally flipping through magazines, giggling at the police, and basically looking like a harmless old granny, not a serial killer. During these intervals, she would remove her horned rim glasses, stating, "I'm not near or far sighted." She explained, "I only wear them for the headaches. Remember the mm-hmm. brain damage? Yeah, I've had terrible headaches all my life, or rather, from the time I was seven. That was when the train hit the buggy I was riding in and I was thrown out. The smiling suspect never once lost her composure and wore out four teams of investigators before they gave up for the night. Newspapers had spread the word that Nanny Doss was being questioned in at least one or possibly two deaths caused by poisoning. The story grew as people called in, reporting other deaths that could be attributed to the arsenic nanny, which meant that When the detectives went in to question her the second time, they had a lot more to go on. During the seven-hour interrogation, she did at times admit, I lied about that, (laughs) with a little giggle. Eventually, she folded and admitted that she had poisoned Sam Doss. Schmitty, has there been a, like, a telly movie? Cause I, I wish there was. Basically, this is basically your audition. Yeah. We're going to give you some sparkling black eyes and some hairs. And, and you're going to be some horn, some hairs. Or, or, Give me some horn rim glasses. Uh, uh, I like about that. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually she folded and admitted she'd poisoned Sam Doss. He'd begun to annoy her shortly after their marriage. She stated she felt sorry for him when she should have felt sorry for herself. I didn't know what I was getting into. Some of the little things that annoyed her was having to go to bed at dark, like, you know, 9.30, and he wouldn't let me have a television set or radio or even a fan in the house. She quoted Joss with, I've been a Christian man all my life and you're going to be a Christian woman. You don't need a radio and television. And to quote Chicago, He had it coming. He had it coming. He had it coming all along. You were right, Carla. It was Chicago. 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 Mm -hmm. Brilliant. Well done. If you'd have been there, if you'd have seen it, this got on her nerves so bad that she put an inch of rat poison in Doss's coffee. She apparently overestimated the dose, causing him to uh, chuck so violently it actually saved his life. You know, the 23 days he was in hospital? Yeah. 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 Afterwards, when she was nursing him back to health, she just said, that'll do, and I'll finish him off and gave him another dose. Ah. After she signed the confession, her final words on Sam were, now my conscience is clear. Before Sam died, because she just felt okay about it. Before Sam died, she was corresponding with a farmer in North Carolina for whom she had baked a cake and mailed to him. He was anxiously awaiting the day when they would meet. He mailed, she mailed a cake to him. She was setting up mm. husband number six. Yes, I understand, um, but mailing a cake, how long does that take to well, get? A fruit from- cake, it's a prune cake. She was really big oh, on right. prune cakes, right? <laughs> yes, so they okay. could have lasted 12 years and no one would be. Yeah, bothered. yeah. I'm mighty proud I didn't Longer mean than her. the person that eats it. That's, that's how long right. they last. That's right, yeah. <laughs> the man said, I'm mighty proud I didn't mean her and she didn't come down here, he told investigators when they contacted him. From now on, I'm through with these women who make their matches by mail. (laughs) She was caught in a lie when asked about Richard Morton, husband number four, I think, saying she had never heard of him. Who's that? Who dat? Who dat? Who did? Anyway, when they said, he's your fourth husband, she said, oh, well. Oh, yes, right. Oh, yeah, well, I guess I wasn't telling the truth. And he confessed with a coy giggle. (laughs) I was married to him. 
After a long period of questioning, she admitted to having poisoned Morton in 1953 as well. Her reason for his death, he'd been making me mad, shining up with other women. He had it coming. He had it coming. He had it coming all along. I told you it was a funny story. After she signed this confession, once again she said, now my conscience is clear. <laughs> then they started on her third husband, Arlie. This marriage was the longest of all. Five. It wasn't the longest of all, you liars. She was married to the... Oh, no, she didn't kill the first one. Right, sorry. Yeah. Longest of all Fish. of all the dead people. Detail. Five years. Yeah. But he crossed the fatal line in 1952. He was a womanizer and he started running with other women, she stated. Shortly afterwards, she confessed to murdering Ali with poison. Once again, now my conscience is clear. He had it coming. He had it coming. He had it coming all along. <laughs> Over the course of the next couple of days, could you imagine these poor police? You should look at the photos of this because there are a couple of policemen that, that someone took a photo of. They could. They are both strikingly handsome men. They look like male models dressed in full 1950s suits and they just look so over it. <laughs> they're rolling funny. their Drained. eyes like, oh. It's quite funny. Over the course of the next couple of days, people, police were shocked by her continuous string of confessions. She was adamant, however, that she only poisoned people who deserved it and none of the deaths of her relatives were due to poisoning. I never did feed that stuff to my blood kin. She claimed oh. the facts showed otherwise. <laughs> Belated autopsies of her mother, who died in 53, and poor old Davy, who died in 1950, both had massive amounts of arsenic in their systems. The investigators gently led Nanny to a discussion of Frank Harrelson, husband number two. Nanny stated she married, married him for love, but that was a disappointment. I found out he was a jailbird and a drunkard. One Sunday I was at my mother's and Frank, Frank's brother showed up stating that Frank wanted to see me. Frank had been out all night the night before drinking. She went with the brother to the edge of town where she found him passed out from too much to drink. After driving him home and helping him inside, she states that he wanted me to go to bed with him. I refused. Frank then replied, my God, woman, I may not be here next Sunday to go to bed with. After thinking about what he said, I went and got the whiskey bottle out of the flour bin in the kitchen. I poured poison into it. I thought I'll just teach him a lesson. The next morning the bottle was empty and Frank was sick all week. By Sunday he was dead. When the investigator said, how's your conscience now? She replied, clear. Why's that? He had it coming. He had it coming. He had it coming all along. Anyway, no amount of prodding could evade more, could get any more confessions out of her, though. Her reply was, you can dig up all the graves in the world and you won't get anything more on me. The state of Oklahoma, deciding the case, sentenced allegations on the death of Doss only, who died in Tulsa. She was never tried outside of Oklahoma. When reporters finally caught up with Nanny after her indictment, they asked her what she thought she should, she, should be done with her. For poisoning Doss. Grinning into their flashbulbs. You should look their photos up of this woman. She literally looks like butter wouldn't melt. She's like, uh, well, anything, anything they care to do with me is all right by me. After four psychiatrists diagnosed her mentally sane, her trial date was set for June 2, 1955, in the criminal court of Tulsa, Oklahoma. But on May 17, she pled guilty. After a, a brief hearing, Judge Elmer Adams. <laughs> <laughs> Sentenced her to life imprisonment, barring the electric chair because of her gender, and she spent the rest of her days in Oklahoma State Penitentiary. Nanny Doss died of leukemia in the prison's hospital ward in 1965. And that, my friends, is the story of the giggling granny. And they had it coming. They had it coming. They had it coming all along. If you'd have been there, if you'd have seen it, how could you tell me that I was wrong? Right. So, how would you sentence her? She's a whack job. <laughs> I don't know. Isn't she a I just can't believe what she's getting away with. What happened with the children, like the babies? and Nothing. She got away with it. She was only tried for her last husband's death. Yeah, in Oklahoma. So nothing ever happened in Alabama with anybody else? No. Wow. It's extraordinary. But everyone's pretty convinced she killed everyone else. They had it coming. They had it coming. <laughs> Isn't she absolutely unbelievable? What a story. Yes. 
it is it is incredible and i think you're right carla how how did she get away with it all like no so one, many because she was she had this it's like no one in their family spoke to yeah, anybody else no, and no, went, no, actually no. honey you should say that but i'm not yeah. sure they some husbands were like mm. but everyone even her daughter like her daughter's newborn child she thinks she had a dream of her sticking a hat pin in his head but mm. she still left robert with the, the yes. other child with her so I just think that there was... How did Robert die? I can't even remember. There's been so many deaths. Asphyxia. Poisoned. Oh, yes, asphyxia. No, right, just yeah. some random asphyxia. Yeah. I think it was. The point is no one really suspected her until yeah. the autopsy of the last one, and that's why they pinned it, That's what they pinned on her. I've had a look at it, what she looked like. She just looks like a... Giggling granny. Like a little yeah, old granny. lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, her last words to her daughter were, don't worry about it, I ain't worried. <laughs> <laughs> I think she needs a few hat pins in her. Yeah, I don't know how to. Let me think. Um, like, I'm going to assume she definitely poisoned lots of people. And she, I don't know how many, I don't know if all of them were her. Like, remember the period of time, right? So we started in 19, the death started in 1920 something, and they go up to 1950 something. Certainly yeah. her husband's, I'm pretty sure she knocked those off. But the children, her first couple of kids, they, they died really quickly. They seemed fine and then they were dead. Maybe she killed them. Maybe they... After breakfast. Yeah, but they could have just... They were young. Like, I don't know. Like, they... Mortal, the mortality rate was very high at the time, particularly for young For two people. kids to die after eating breakfast at the house um, of a poisoner. Well, but, but remember, at the time that they that happened, she wasn't a poisoner. Well... I think she started that later. I, I To be honest... Her first husband was like, oh, you know, I wouldn't eat anything. If she was in a bad mood, I wouldn't eat anything around her. She hadn't actually really established herself as a poisoner until after she left Frank. Sorry, unless Frank, she the killed, first one, Charles. Unless she killed the two kids, in which case she had. She may have or she may not. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure on those yet. How about this for a sentence? She's on a buggy and, you know, this, this happens every day in Trial by Wine World. We'll go back to our old sentencing ground is trouble with and we've got a ride where she's the only person on it and she's on a buggy and it gets hit by a locomotive and her head gets slammed into an iron rail this where she gets shunted she gets shunted we'll put her on the shunting ride and she gets shunted daily the cardinet ride <laughs> that's where I'll, I'll put her on that ride i'll i'll, I'll invent I'll, I'll invent the shunting ride and i'll put her on mm. the shunting ride i'm um look, I i'm don't, amazed I, don't... I got through that Anyway, yeah, go on. Did well. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure about how much of this is nurture versus nature. Like, you know, was the she had a nasty dad, but her mother was lovely, who she murdered too, by all accounts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but so she had the shunting incident, didn't she? Get raped by her second husband, Frank. Yeah, yeah. Um, which probably at the time wouldn't have been called. That wouldn't have been called rape at the time. So maybe she's just ahead of her time. I just think she seemed to have a somewhat, I wouldn't say short, say short fuse, but it, it seems that she gets to a point where she's put off, inconvenienced, that, you know, she mildly. Her first like, husband, Charles, said she, yeah. if, if, depending on the mood, like she did, she had a real funny fuse. Yeah. And yeah, instead of like, switch. okay, yeah, I'm yep. done here. Yep. So instead of just walking, oh, shoot, well, I better, I'll just get rid of the baby, get rid I'll of just this, I'll just kill you. end that, yeah. yeah, and move on. Yeah. So that's one thing she was able to do that I find quite, what's the word I'm after? Ingenious? No, not ingenious, but I'm really, I'm going to say interesting, but it's more than interesting. It's, it's something that I would be sort of intrigued by is the fact that she just continues to just move on. She's just rolling or she just moves all the time. On to the next, on to the next, on to the next, next husband. Next child. Next next whatever next it is. In yeah. Next in law, next mother in law, next mother. Yeah. So and you're I don't, a roller coaster of something. I don't know. Like, I mean I just I don't I don't think that she's trying to murder people actually. I don't think <laughs> that that's what she's out there going, what? Oh, I'm, I'm hungry, I've got insatiable, you know, appetite to kill honestly. Oh, she like, didn't she just, kill I, there were convenience kills. She didn't kill them. Yeah. Yeah. She wasn't like Ed I've Kemper had enough or of others who, I'm done here. who had a yeah. desire to kill. It was no, no. She married killing, them and then killed them. Yeah, killing you was the best way to expedite my way out of this to go to the next yeah. thing. Yeah, is that better? Uh, <laughs> I'm not making a call on that. 
I'm just saying I, I'm with you on the she didn't kill in a, like, for Predatory the desire. No, no she didn't like get a, any thrill out of it. It wasn't. No, it wasn't, she's just like, next. How do you know she I'm didn't done. get a thrill out of it? I, I don't think she did. I think she it was just perfunctory. It was perfunctory. It was yeah. Like, it was just something to do to get me to the next step. Yeah, exactly. Get rid of this. That, solves that, that solves that problem. I'm on to the next one. That's true. Yes. That's, I, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. What was that I you mean, said, Paul? I missed it. Stewie talked about oh, she, how she cashed in the life insurance. So, oh yes, yeah, that probably was quite times. calculated. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's yeah, that's just. And also, money, I guess. like saying it's her way out, it it kind of means she can do what she wants and have no remorse or regret. You know, like I can I can marry I'm someone. Not, yeah, I'm not justifying her behaviour. <laughs> Don't get me okay. wrong. Well, that's <laughs> um, I'm just saying she didn't have the kind of drive to kill in a like sexual sense or a you know it was just more like yeah next next uh, she's a no I don't like her she's a nut job I'm not saying she's not <clears throat> I reckon a roller coaster of smacks or something that she needs to get of smacks it's hard because I don't want to be disrespectful to the people that she murdered but I mean Do you remember the Cole's like... whipping thing that I talked about yeah. in one of our first yeah. episodes maybe a roller coaster where she just gets lots of smacks maybe something like every time she giggles she gets a punch in the face <laughs> yeah because <laughs> maybe she can't giggle Maybe that has some kind of, oh, I don't really want to say it's paralysis, but something whereby the the, the feminine wiles that she's been able to sort of uh, use to manipulate situations and, you know, make people, disarm them, I guess, from being the the evil genius that she is. Yeah. With the last husband, she didn't even have them and she knew she didn't have them because she got yeah. quite stout. Yeah. And, you know, she wasn't hot anymore, but she still sucked him in. But it was yeah. very much that motherly kind of, homemaker thing so yes, yeah. it's so you got to take all that away from her not just the giggle okay you know not just the dark hairs wherever they are <laughs> <laughs> dark eyes you got to take it all away from her it's not her just ability. her luxurious hairs <laughs> thatch and <laughs> 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 <Her> thatch <laughs> a luxurious thatch <laughs> that is so like out of a pills of food. Someone's thatch. Oh god, thatch. please don't. I'm sorry, listeners. It was funny though. It made me laugh. Take her luxurious thatch away. From <laughs> <you>. <laughs> she's a hard one to punish. I, I think she's a bit of a monster, and so um, I wouldn't mind her getting a little bit of that poison coffee. Um, but in, lace, but yeah. instead of going to hospital for 23 days, she could just, you know. A couple of hat pins. Sit on the used. couch with bad TV that drives her crazy. You know, like when no she, TV. Yeah. That, a TV that doesn't work. Educational TV because she didn't like that. Yeah. She, just wanted, she just wanted romances and shit. I think she needs a chastity belt too. <laughs> okay, yeah. Close your legs, Wilson Phillips. Do you remember um, Fast Forward? I don't know it? that, no. Fast Forward did a send-up of Hold On For One More Day, that yeah, 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 song. Yeah, and yeah. that was Gina Riley, I think, Yeah, who kept opening her legs. She'd be singing oh. under, under the tree and she'd be singing and she'd go, and oh. one of them would reach across oh. and go, <laughs> close her legs all the time. It's hilarious. It's actually quite funny, yeah. Yeah, so I think she needs a chastity belt. She needs... Arsenic in small doses just to keep her sick all the time. Um, <laughs> she needs to have no family, which she practically went she about doing most herself. Of them. Yeah, 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 and uh, yeah, maybe hairs like a hairy nose or something. I've just looked it up. I want to watch it now. What about choking <laughs> on, <laughs> on American? How about choking her on American? Yeah. Oh yeah, choke her on American. Sure. The old American choke. Thatched. Yes, a thatched merkin. A big, thick, Brian Blessed, a Brian Blessed <laughs> type, Bush, massive thatch. Do you know you boys are yes. lost on that? Was he Hagrid? No, no. but but it oh, along the same lines, like a gigantic big thatch merkin from Brian Blessed slash Hagrid, Robbie oh, Coltrane. <laughs> That's what she has to choke on. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That feels yeah. fair. Yeah. 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 I think I think Kathy Bates. No, Kathy Bates should 
feed it to her. Yeah. <laughs> From misery. In misery. Maybe she should go to the house of Kathy Bates and live in misery for the rest of her life. I feel like she lived in some misery and that's why she behaved the way she did. Uh, but... Not nah, as much misery as everyone around her did. Oh, true. She, she true. killed them. Are we, are we done? Are we sentenced? I, th- I think so, yes. House okay, of Misery. So. Yes. House of Misery, Merkins and uh, what have you. Hagrid. All right. Well, thank you very much for sticking thank with you. me through the longest story of someone poisoning everyone in their lives. And uh, <laughs> miss you already. <laughs> Where, and meet show tunes. Oh, <laughs> gosh, yes. They had it coming. Don't. Oh, yeah, no. Miss you already. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Trial by Wine. You can contact us at trialbywine at gmail.com. Please rate, review and subscribe to Trial by Wine on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to support us, you can become a patron at www.patreon.com, Trial by Wine. Or visit our website, www.trialbywine.com, to donate to us. Your support will help us cover many more cases and apply wacky sentences. We really appreciate you listening and hope you tell everyone about us. Our cover art is by John Christo and music is by Beauchamp from pixabay.com.